From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. We're going deep today, my friends. We're going inside the heart. We're going to talk about self-sabotage and some of the more negative things that we do to ourselves that prevent us from achieving greatness. But it's an uplifting show. It's not negative. It's very insightful and introspective. I think you're going to enjoy uh, my guest, Preston Smiles. He is um, just a really in-tune guy and uh, is pretty well versed in some of like the psychology of uh, achievement and uh, has a sort of a multidisciplinary background. And um, it's inspiring and it's emotional and... Um, it's transformative, I would say. So I hope you're going to uh, tune in. You're going to love it. It's really, really powerful stuff. And I'm so excited to have you. So strap in, get ready for another week on the Action Catalyst podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for being here. We'll get started just after this. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, Go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. So a while back, I got to share the stage with a power couple named Preston Smiles and Alexi Panos. And these two kids, I didn't call them kids. They're not kids. They're, They're very successful people, but they are young at heart and they're just awesome. And I remember walking past the two of them and just feeling literally like them emanating love, like from their souls and from their beings. And I just kind of become a little bit infatuated with them. I think they're so cool and they do business together and they have a book that has just come out uh, that they wrote together, which is cool because they both have you know really good social media followings and they inspire a lot of people, but they wrote a book called Now or Never, Your Epic Life in Five Steps. Um, the bridge from where you are to where you want to be. And they're just about everything warm and positive and inspiring in the world. And so uh, we got Preston here on the show. Preston, brother, welcome and thank you for being here. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, buddy. I I, um, So you and Alexi are you know, kind of founders of this, this bridge method, you call it. So I, before we, I want to talk about the kind of the five steps, cause it's, you, you know, this epic life in five steps is really attractive and appealing, but mm-hmm. um, what is bridge all about? And why do you kind of use that? You use that language. I've noticed a lot is kind of like bridge the bridge. So can you talk about that concept a bit? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it has multiple meanings. Uh, one, you know, starting with both of us individually, we both, uh, sit in a very particular uh, uh, sort of part of how uh, the human experience is going. So, for instance, for me, um, you know, 
I could be at a conference speaking like Thrive with you, mm -hmm. uh, which is more business and, um, you know, uh, purpose, but money uh, focused. And I could also be speaking at a festival and, <laughs> called Lucidity or, uh, you know, at a junior high school, you know, in, in a couple months, I'll be, Alexi and I both will be speaking to 2012 year olds. Wow. And then, you know, next month we'll be in New Zealand. And so, Uh, we both find that our particular makeup and how we stand in the world and our, you know, sort of understanding of the human experience is a bridge. And so it's a living bridge. And so we wanted to create a living bridge in the bridge method and all that we put out. So the bridge method is in itself a 12 week online training program that teaches people how to, uh, navigate this world. Um, and then, The Bridge Method is also the name of our company. It's an umbrella for the Bridge Experience, which is a, an experiential workshop that uh, also has uh, positive psychology, NLP, um, uh, gestalt work. It's, it, we sort of, uh, somatics, uh, esoteric wisdom, we sort of combine everything. We find that our work is like a bridge. It, it literally is dancing and swirling with all of the wisdom that is out there in a way in which a uh, layman or a regular person like ourselves could actually use it. And so it's, uh, it's about synthesizing. It's about, you know, translating these very technical clinical terms and, and ways, uh, parts of psychology into um, practical everyday steps. Right. Well, and so, I like, I mean, the metaphor is a very straightforward one, but, you know, so you're, you're coaching people kind of through this transition. What do you think is the, like, what is the reason why people don't cross the bridge, so to speak? What are, what are, what are the things that you think are really holding people back? Because you're talking always about having this epic life. I mean, even this, the title of the book, like do it now or never. And so there's some resistance that you are sort of battling. I think the two of you yes. are like talking about it. What is, what is that resistance that people face? Well, uh, one, everything in our society right now is pointing to that we need something outside of ourselves to have an experience of joy or happiness. And so already, you know, from a very early age, we've been taught and conditioned to believe that we need the car, the money, the degree, the partner by our side, mm -hmm. the season football tickets, whatever it may be. We need these things, the next bag, you know, the, the next program to complete us. And so just starting at, at, at square one, that in itself is what holds so many people back from seeing, right? So, so one of the things I say all the time, it's, it's, it's not a matter of becoming, It's a matter of revealing, revealing what's already here, revealing the creativity, revealing the love, revealing the, um, the flow that's already here. And so a lot of coaching clients come to us and they, and they want to become, and we bring them back to that. We, we remind them that it's not your job to make it happen. It is your job to welcome it. And so uh, it's less about the, the, the doing and more about the being. And we've got it confused in our society. We have it do, have, and then be. You know, I'll do something, and then I'll have something, and then I'll be 
you know, happy once I have these things. And for us, it's the other way around. It's be, do, have. Mm-hmm. And so the, well, I mean, the concept of finding joy in who you are and sort of looking internally for that. I mean, I think that, I think that is very powerful. The idea that you don't. So how do you, how do you move past that? So coming to that idea Mm -hmm. of like, how do you get out? How do you let go of that sort of materialism that I think that we, we do get programmed with that. It's just kind of the nature of advertising and a world of social media. So is it just a matter of knowing that that's going on or how do you sort of release? So, so we made chapter one uh, in our book now or never Uh, you always have a choice. And that, uh, and that's the bridge to empowerment because without choice, you know, without awareness, there is no choice. And so it's, it always comes down to awareness in, in our workshops. One of the first things we say is, um, you can't intervene in a world that you truly cannot see. And all of us are worlds. So you can't change what you can't see. So awareness has to be the first step. You can't shift a pattern or a habit that you have no awareness that it's happening. Right. And so we go into this process of bringing an awareness to uh, conscious and unconscious agreements. We go into an awareness about understanding the difference between being a victim and operating from victim consciousness, which is an entire different thing. We remind people that how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're cheating on your taxes, more than likely you'll be cheating in other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. If, if, you're, if you're always late with, with your kids, more than likely you're late to a lot of other things as well. And so when we catch the patterns and we catch the unconscious agreements that we're operating from, the shoulds, the of courses, and start to take another look at that, we can then take ownership of our lives. Mm-hmm. I love that con. I like that uh, language of catch the patterns mm-hmm. uh, um, and catching it. So it's like there's certain areas of your life where these negative patterns are, they are more apparent. They're more obvious. They, they, they show up in a certain way. And so you're looking at, and then when you identify those, what you're saying is basically that pattern is going to exist through all these other areas as well. Absolutely. And then we have something in the book, we, we talk about CTs, which are conditioned tendencies. Uh, and the conditioned tendencies come up or show up when we are um, in high stress situations where we feel overwhelmed. And those are fight, flight, freeze, and appease. These are the reptilian brain that shows up, which we all have. And if you don't have an awareness of your conditioned tendency, it will, it will run you, you won't run it. What was those? You said fight, flight, freeze, and what? Appease. Huh, I've not heard the appease one before. Yes. So, uh, have you ever noticed uh, when all hell is breaking loose that, uh, you know, maybe someone tries to start neutralizing the situation or, uh, you know, start cooking? You know, there's a very uh, interesting thing that shows up where... uh, and it's it's more of a, uh, a modern one, but where we start to try and make sure everybody's happy and neutralize it. So fight, clearly, you know what that is. Flight, clearly, you know what that is. Freeze, we just stop. There's no movement. Um, and then appease is where there's movement, but all of the movement is around trying to neutralize the whole thing. Right. It's not about making progress. It's more about like ensuring harmony. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, 
So is that is one of those the right one or is it just depend? Nope. You're just saying you got to be aware of those are the four responses that biologically are going to happen. Exactly. It's just about awareness. It's not about uh, changing anything per se, but just bringing an awareness to it. Because if you know that that's what comes up. So for instance, my condition tendency is fight. And Alexi's condition tendency is fight. So if something, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you guys are a great reality show. We need more <laughs> of your like your real juicy stuff. On so yeah. So if something comes up in our relationship, both of us have you know have an understanding that that's probably where we're going to go first. And so if you know that that's your condition tendency, then you can get out in front of it. You start to experience. Um, you know, uh, shortness of breath or, uh, you know, uh, heaviness in the chest, then you go, Oh, here it comes. I'm about to, I'm about to go into it. Mm-hmm. Let me breathe into this. Let me remove myself from the situation and give myself more choices. Hmm. So that, 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 so a lot, a large part of this starts with just awareness. Like you're saying, if you can't see it, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know what, Rory? There's an interesting part in our book as well, still in chapter one, um, about uh, something we, we call it the, the, the diminishers. And the diminishers work for your ego. They are literally like, uh, they clock in and whenever something great is about to happen or whenever we're about to break through, the diminishers pop in and they make sure that we sabotage it in some way. And so the, the diminishers are procrastination, perfectionism, overanalyzing, um, not asking for help, criticizing, the know-it-all, self-doubt, I got this. All of these are ways in which we sabotage when we're about to break through. And so back to awareness, if you, if you have an awareness that right when something's about to happen, you, you dive into perfectionism and, and you know, make sure that you actually never do anything because you're analyzing it so much and you're trying to get it so right that you sit there getting ready to get ready while everyone and everything has passed you by, then you can do something about that. You know, my, my uh, diminisher, my number one diminisher is I got this. So I'll jump in prematurely without all the information. So for me, having that understanding, I do the exact opposite. Oh, okay. We're about to do this. Perfect. Let me, let me study a little more. Let me get more market research. Let me dive in, uh, you know, an extra two hours on this material because my, my condition tendency, my diminisher is I got this. Although that's not a bad one to have. Like I would say that that that's, that's one of the better ones to have because at least you're taking action True. versus, versus sitting, but still you're kind of preemptively. Yes. Uh, Get me in, uh, gets me in trouble sometimes as well. Yeah. Well, and I think those are, those are interesting understanding because so, so why do we have those? Like what, what biological purpose does it serve us to have those diminishers? Like why are they even there? Yeah. I, the ego's number one job is to protect us. And, and its belief is that, um, and, and here's the thing. Most of these don't, most of these come from generations before us. Most of them are passed down. You know, uh, as much as we want to pretend like we are not like our mom and dad, you spend 18 years with somebody, you're going to pick up some of their habits. Mm-hmm. And they picked up someone else's habits. And they picked up someone else's habits. So, um, you know, there's lots of psychology uh, and studies around that 
most people have some type of trauma between, you know, the age of one and, and seven. And, and from those traumas, if they are not properly moved into, we begin to create, uh, in our, um, uh, language or terminology diminishers that start to run our lives. So self-doubt, you know, let's say, you know, you're, you're six years old and you're singing in the back of the car and your dad or mom just got fired and they're having a hard day and they turn around and say, shut up. Little kids are better seen than heard. And then they apologize maybe two hours later, but the damage has already been done. And now that little girl walks around 20 years later still operating from self-doubt, not believing that she has a beautiful voice and not sharing that voice. And so for us, this is back, this back to it. You can't intervene in a world you truly cannot see. This is a way to see the world, your world, the one that has been, you've painted, the one you've co-created with the creator, whatever you would like to call it. And it, it gives you an opportunity to paint what you would like to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So awareness, uh, I'm just looking at the clock going, crap, the time is yeah, flying by. Which I knew it was. So yeah. there's, so there's, so there's five, I'm not going to try to get through all five right no. now, but, but so awareness is, I, mean, I think this is huge. I mean, this is, I'm sitting here going, oh yeah, like this is, this is so powerful to just know when you're doing what you're doing. Um, so what next? Okay. So I'm aware. So then what's, what's next? So the next step is to be radically responsible. So for us, radically responsible, being radically responsible is the bridge to getting unstuck. Because the moment we take 100% responsibility, uh, we, have, we, get our, we gain our power back. You know, as long as there's a finger pointed out at someone or something that has done something to us, then they have our power and not us. And so um, in this chapter, we dive deep into really owning how we've shown up and, um, you know, we, we, we break down the difference between being a victim versus living from victim consciousness, you know, and, and, you know, the, we're not saying that people are not victims. Terrible things happen. They absolutely do. But what you choose after that and what you choose for 20 years telling the same story about how you were wronged when you were 17, that's a whole nother ball game. That's called victim consciousness. And so we have people go through a process where they look at their um, lives and ask themselves, how did I create, allow, or perpetuate this situation? Hmm. And, and that can be very confronting, especially for people who would like to remain in victim consciousness. Um, and we totally get it. You know, I, I've been there many times over. This is not a, you know, a silver magic bullet that once you do it, you never go back. This is something that is a practice. And so, you know, for many people, you know, it could be a, a matter of, okay, how, so, so let's take an example of someone. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so give me an example. Cause this is like, and I know there's, you know, this takes a while, like this is deep stuff, but how do I start the journey of radical responsibility how do i start that journey of going even though something happened to me i'm gonna own i'm yes. gonna own it and move forward from here yes so uh it's a process definitely a process and i'm not saying this is an overnight thing but starting with sitting in that question how did i create allow or perpetuate this situation so um it's a powerful question 
Um, yes, yes. And can, like I said, it can be a very confronting one, but you know, let's take the example of, um, the woman who is, uh, let's say being abused at home and, you know, or, uh, let's say it's a, it's a boss, you know, let's take a work situation. It's yeah, a let's boss. do that one. That's probably yeah. safer. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there's a boss, right. And your boss, uh, you know, uh, every once in a while just says something that is just kind of out of pocket, right? Looking at it from 100% responsibility, one has to ask themselves, where did I miss? Where did I miss speaking up for myself? How have I allowed this? Yeah, he did it in, let's say 2012, but then, or she did it in 2012, but then I didn't say anything about it. I let it slide. And then all of a sudden, I'm being, you know, um, you know, asked to do things that are outside of my job title. I'm being asked to stay longer than everybody else, but not being compensated for it. How did I, uh, let's say, uh, create this scenario? Oh, well, um, the first time that they asked me to do that, I never said anything. And then the second time, I never said anything. And so... Oh, it's interesting. I, I, not only did I create it or did I, I was I the space for it, but I allowed it over and over again. And how am I perpetuating? Oh, I'm perpetuating it because even though I keep saying yes and I keep doing it, I go home and I complain about it. And we believe that what you resist persists. So the moment you're in resistance to something, you grant it life. You bring, you bring it into reality. So this is not about bypassing. This is not about ignoring what is. This is about recognizing what is and then choosing to put our focus on what we would like to experience. And so a lot of people uh, meditate on the problem. And this is a conversation about meditating on the promise or on the solution. And, you know, in this chapter, we, we, we talk about what you permit, you promote. What you permit, you promote. And so sitting in this And the question over and over again, like for instance, short story, um, I, uh, at 25 found out that I had a heart condition and I found out that some of it came from stress and same of it came from the, you know, 20 years of eating terrible fast food and, uh, you know, soda and, and drinking alcohol and all of these things. And at first I went into victim consciousness. How could this happen? My parents, they, they, they didn't tell me. No one told me. The government, the, the you know, society, and I was blaming everyone but myself. I, I was pointing the finger everyone, everywhere outside of myself. And so all of those people, my parents, the government, society, all had my power. But it wasn't until I took a look and asked myself, how did I create this? How did I allow this? And how am I perpetuating it? And I sat in that question and I recognized that, yeah, um, I could have researched. I could have done a lot of other things than just take what was handed to me. And so it was a lot more powerful for me to recognize that it was me that created this situation. And that if I created it, then I could also create something different. Well, and I think that that is the thing. I mean, just like you said about the awareness, even asking the question, like, how did I allow perpetuate, like, how did I create, allow, or perpetuate the situation? Even asking that is a heightened awareness because the asking of the question forces you to acknowledge that you did have something to do with it. Yes. 
Yes. And that is like when you say it's very confronting, that is very confronting. It's very sobering. And if you've been reliving it over and over and over, then you are giving power uh, to it in your life. Um, Preston, buddy, we are out of time. I, uh, w- this, this was awesome. So where I, I have one, I do have a, another question for you. Um, but where do you want people to go to learn about you and uh, Lexi and uh, where should they connect with you? Uh, yes. If you go to now or never the you can find both Alexi and I's personal books and also now or never, which is fantastic. And I highly suggest uh, reading it. So cool. So uh, action catalyst podcast. So the, the whole you know point of this is, is to drive uh, action as much as possible in people's lives. Um, obviously one action they could take is to go pick up the book. Um, but separate from like a purchase uh, action, what if somebody's listening to this for the first time, like if they're just listening to this and they're going, Oh my gosh, there is, there is some beast. There is some darkness that has been going on in my life that I have been perpetuating. There is, there is some, you know, negative power that I've allowed to be in my life. Yes. What what is the first thing that they should take action on? Uh, Just noticing where else that happens. Because usually it happens, it's not just one place. And so bringing in awareness to, you know, where else in my life this is showing up will be a key indicator on how it's them and not everyone else, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, the moment you get in that conversation, yes, you could get down on yourself, but you could also get really pumped about it and go, wow, okay, so it's me. And if it's me and I created, and I'm that powerful that I created this scenario all over my life, then I could create something different. Game mm. on. Bam. Drop the mic. Uh, I love it. Well, uh, Preston Smiles and Alexi Pano said, you've been listening to Preston here. Now or Never is the book. We'll put links to it in the show notes. And uh, buddy, I just, I really appreciate you having the courage to take people here on some of these, some of these inner journeys and, and help us realize that some of this darkness in our life we've actually contributed to. And, um, and yet you do it in such a bright light and with so much positivity, you too. So I, you know, I adore you guys and I wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Wow. So, I mean, certainly some deep stuff there. I mean, that's some of the deep, deep emotional kind of stuff, which I think is, is a fun variation to, to bring in and look at because some of that is, it is so powerful, right? Like until you, until we get control of our lives and until we know that these things are going on, it's like, there's not much we can do about them because just as Preston mentioned, you know, they are patterns. Like we are creatures of habit. We do things out of pattern. We, once we are doing something, we tend to do that same thing over and over and over again. And so if we're not aware of it, it's like, there's no chance that we're going to break it until, until we are ever really aware of it. And so I think, you know, that awareness is, is a really key, a really key thing. And I think he, he did a good job of, of, of hitting on some of those and, and talking through through them. And, you know, I was, went back and I was thinking about the question about why, right? Like, why do we do this? Right. So why do we self-sabotage? Why do we trip ourselves up? Why do we do things that hinder 
where we want to go, right? Like, why is it in one breath we say, this is what I want for my life. This is my goal. This is my target. This is my vision. This is my path. This is my plan. And then literally, you know, five minutes later, we're doing something to sabotage that. We are self-sabotaging. We are neutralizing and, and um, hindering ourselves. Why do we do that? And I think it's important to understand why we do that also, because if you don't understand why we do that, then what happens is we start to perpetuate this negative story. We start to, we start to convince ourselves that, oh my gosh, well, I'm just stupid or I'm just dumb or, or look, I'm a self-sabotager. Like I'm not destined for greatness. I'm not capable of falling through on commitments. I'm not qualified to do something great. I don't have it in me. I don't have what it takes. And that is what we start to say if we don't understand why we are doing it. So it's critical that we do understand that and we do take time to unpack this and explore these things because they're, it's not just you, right? I think what Preston said was spot on. Like this goes back to the dawn of humanity. Like this is a part and it, it, it's, it's, it's the biology of our brain here that we're working against. And so I wanted to spend some time talking a little bit about why why we do certain things, why we sort of live in this victimhood, why we self-sabotage, why we, you know, neutralize our own progress, because absent that, you're going to start to perpetuate an even worse story that you weren't born for greatness, that you weren't meant to be, that you don't have what it takes. Those are the negative things that you're going to start to hear over and over and over. So I want to unpack that a, a little bit and hopefully we're kind of, you know, looking at the awareness stage. I think what Preston's talking about is how do you change these things? And first it's like, okay, be aware that these negative things are happening, these negative patterns, these negative traits. And then, you know, kind of what he's moving through is their processes are like, okay, how do we undo them? So I want to actually kind of rewind a little bit and even go in backwards a step into why do we do those negative things so that you can understand understand those and um you know just empower yourself because if you don't that negative self-talk is going to perpetuate and then it's going to make it you know virtually impossible to to write over that and and he started to touch on it when he touched on the um the ego and he started to touch on like the biology of the human brain so the thing to understand, I think the big idea to understand here is, is about your brain, right? Like it's about your own biology. It's not about your, your skill or whether, you know, you're lucky or not, or you have a certain trait or you don't. It's, it's that you have the power to be great, but you're going to be working against your biology, which is very strong. Like your brain is not programmed for success. Your brain is not programmed for success. Your brain is programmed for survival. You have to understand that because that is, the, is the, like, the foundational premise here. This is the thing that we're fighting against is that your brain is not programmed for success. Your brain is programmed for survival. And when you understand that, it shifts everything because isn't it it's isn't it kind of an interesting question to say like why does self why does self sabotaging even exist like why is there such a thing that doesn't even make sense why in the world would anybody ever 
hurt themselves? Like, why would they ever prevent themselves from getting what they want? And, and, and you would say, well, well, it, it, it must be because I'm crazy. It must be because, you know, I'm just not lucky. It must be because I'm not born for, for greatness. And it's, it's not any of that. It's, it's the biology. It's not even special about you. Everybody does it. Like everybody has those negative things. So it's not something especially wrong with you or especially negative. It's very ordinary. It's ex- consistently ordinary across everybody. But the people who break out of it, they break free because they understand part of this is a very biological discussion. Um, is that your brain isn't programmed for success. Your brain is programmed for survival. So let me give you a few examples, right? So first of all, like talking about what uh, to use some of the things that that Preston was saying. Um, the um, let's look at the diffuser, right? He was talking about. Um, Hey, you know, you set out a goal or you say you're going to do something great. And then all of a sudden, one of these things shows up procrastination, perfectionism, overanalyzing, criticizing, self doubt, right? These sort of self sabotaging mechanisms, if you will. And why do they show up? Because there is a, there is a, there is a payoff, believe it or not, there is a payoff to self sabotage. And you go, well, how is that possible? Then why would we even call it sabotage? Well, there is. The payoff of self-sabotage is basically convenience. It's status quo. It's comfort. That's what the payoff is. The payoff is not having to do the work to change the situation. Okay? So if you understand that, look, if I'm going to do something great, it's going to require that I do something different. You follow? If I'm going to do something great, it's going to require that I do something different. And if I'm going to do something different, that requires work. That requires risk. That requires energy. That requires skill. And thus, there is the conflict. Because your brain is programmed for survival, not for success. So what does that mean? That means your brain is, is designed in a way to help you conserve energy not to expend energy because, you know, in the days where we couldn't find food and we were running around in the wild and like we couldn't eat, just we could just go to the store and eat whenever we felt like it. Our bodies and everything for our survival had to constantly conserve energy. We had to minimize the expenditure of energy. And so that is a part of, of how we are. But success is the opposite. Success means you get outside your comfort zone. Success means you work. Success means you, you know, like even working out, you're like, well, you're going against the biology that says, hey, just relax and conserve energy here. But you know, in the long term, you have to strengthen your muscles. And how do you strengthen your muscles? You do that by breaking them down. You doing that, you do that by working them. So the payoff here, the payoff of this sort of these uh, these self-sabotaging mechanisms is basically comfort. It's laziness. It's, con- it's maybe not even laziness isn't the right way to say it. It's conservation of energy. And that is what the, the brain is designed to do is to help, it's to help conserve energy. Like absent an alternative program, that's the default setting. Now, obviously you can program your brain differently. Your brain is like a computer, but the default setting is to be programmed for survival, not for success. And so that is the the huge payoff. The same thing is true about victimhood, right? So what we were just talking about was doing something great, doing something new, and then the self-sabotaging things show up. Well, then 
what is why would we allow ourselves to be victims? Why would we allow that to continue happening? It's actually for the same reason that it's comfortable. We've become accustomed to it. Once we decide that a story is a certain way, it takes work to change it. It takes work to write a new program. It takes work to to create a new path, right? Like your brain, like the physical part of your brain is when you have these thoughts over and over, it's like paving a new path in the forest, like a new trail. And the first time you walk over it, it's really hard because there's trees everywhere. But then the next time there's a few less you know, branches and things. And then over time you wear the path down, you wear the path down. That's like the synapses in your brain that you have, you're programming them to fire a certain way and that they, they are doing what you need them to do. That's the work it takes to program your brain for success instead of survival. But, but if, if things are happening to me, right? Like if the world, if my negative results are the result of a, a world that has singled me out and, and I'm a victim and these are things outside my control, the payoff is I don't have to do the work to change it. The payoff is, look, it's not my fault. And so it's just the way it is. And so I'm able to maintain my ego and not have to do work because it takes, it takes tremendous work to change that programming, to change that situation, to change that circumstance. And I think that's what's so powerful about his question. What, like, how did I create, allow, or perpetuate the situation? And, you know, there are real, real negative things that happen to people. There are really horrible, bad things that happen to people. And so in a lot of cases, maybe you didn't do anything to create it. And maybe you didn't allow it. But if it's still there, that is the result of something that we have not dealt with. There's, there's emotional work that we haven't done to deal with it, to resolve it, to own it. And so there is, there is something, we're enabling things by allowing them to continue. And it takes work, like it takes work to work through crap that has happened. It takes work to overcome bad things. Like it's really hard. And your brain is working against you because your brain's going, no, 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 don't deal with any of that. Like, we don't need to do that work. We need to conserve. And so that is the challenge. The challenge is going, you know what? I am going to rise above that default setting. I am not going to accept survival. I'm striving for success. And it, we're, we're so fortunate. And for most, most of us, like most of us listening, most of you listening to this are, are so fortunate because we live in a world where on a daily basis, we're usually not concerned about dying and we're not usually concerned about having food and shelter and the basic, basic things. Um, and so we, ha- we have this incredible blessing, like more than ever before, that we have the luxury to go out and pursue greatness, that, that we have the opportunity, that we have the potential to push for self-actualization because our basic needs every day, for the most part, are met. And that is an incredible blessing. And it, we are so fortunate to live in that time, most of us. And so I want you to know that no matter what has happened to you, there's nothing about your past that has doomed you to a negative future. There's nothing about who you are that was designed to be mediocre. There's nothing about the person that you are today, any part of it that's negative was is not the, the original intention or the ultimate intention or design or structure for your life. You were born 
to do something amazing. You were born with the potential to explore and invent and innovate and create and accomplish and conquer and complete. It's part of the separation of of what is different and distinct and unique about man is the ability to ration and reason and that we are not We are not beings of survival. We are beings that are capable of more than that. And so any thoughts that you have in your head that somehow you're doomed, they're all wrong. And you have to to confront yourself with that sobering question about how am I contributing to the negativeness in my life? How am I contributing to it? And then you have to destroy that. And you have to realize that you are capable of creating a new, rich, and powerful future. You are capable of creating something magnificent. You are capable of changing your situation. You were born not to be a victim, but you were born for greatness. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.